Good evening. Uh, <laughs> it's great to be here. And like Paul, I think it's a great privilege to be able to teach God's Word. And it's great to see so many of you here tonight too. But um, no offence, but I'm going to imagine that you're not here at all. <laughs> all right. There's something quite liberating and freeing about making choices. Having that power in your hands to make a decision. But at the same time, with any choice comes consequences or changes. You see, choices change lives. Your life has to change to accommodate the choice that you've made. I made a choice to ask Sarah to marry me, and she chose to say yes. Now, those choices had dramatic consequences for our lives, and our lives had to change to accommodate those choices. Probably the biggest changes for me are that the new roles that I've had to put on. So I've gone from just being a single guy to being a husband, and now also to being a father. Choices change lives. Now, choosing to marry Sarah was a big choice with big changes, but I've been involved in a bigger choice than this, and my guess is that most of you have too. You see, if you're a Christian, you've been chosen by God to be one of his people. And just like me, choosing to marry Sarah changed my life, God choosing you has to change your life too. And that's what tonight's passage is all about. Last week, Brad showed us that our identity is those raised with Christ as God's chosen people. Tonight, we're going to be looking at the consequences of this choice for us. And the big idea that Paul wants us to get from tonight is this. As people chosen by God live changed and different lives, putting on Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you now humble and thankful Thanks that you have chosen us to be your people. Not because of anything we've done, but because of Jesus' blood shed on the cross. And tonight, as we read your word, we ask that you'll help us to understand it. Work in us by your spirit and change us. Make us into the people that you've chosen us to be. And make us more like your son, Jesus. Amen. Okay. So as people chosen by God, we're to live changed and different lives and we're to put on Christ. But what does this actually mean for us? Well, tonight Paul gives us a four-step practical guide to what it is to put on Christ. We're up to point one on your outline and the first step in this practical guide to putting on Christ. And the first step is to clothe yourselves with the character of Christ. Let's have a look at Colossians chapter 3 starting at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Well, as we were reading those few verses just then, did you find yourself thinking... I wonder why Paul chose those particular characteristics to mention. Well, do they remind you of anyone? You see, the first step we're given here is to put on the character of Christ. In verses 12 to 14, well, they give us a succinct and complete description of Jesus' character. Have a look again at verse 12. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another and put on love. These are the characteristics that Jesus 
Jesus displayed throughout his entire life. They are self-denying, humbling and obedient characteristics. They always seek the good of others. They're always concerned for the welfare of others. These characteristics are best displayed in a family whose sole concern is the life and godliness of those around them. And God calls on us to put on these characteristics. So you see, putting on Christ is not some mystical, super-spiritual, out-of-body experience. No, it's the everyday slog, the hard work, the patient endurance that every Christian goes through as we strive to care for those around us, to present Christ to them and to present them mature in Christ. It's the life lived in obedience to God. But putting on the character of Christ isn't easy. It takes hard work and commitment and your life will be transformed. You may have heard of Robert De Niro. He's been in a number of well-known films uh, and he's won Academy and Golden Globe Awards throughout his career. One of the things that he's most well-known for among his colleagues is his commitment to the roles he's playing. So for New York, New York, he learned how to play the saxophone. For his part in The Godfather, he moved house, left America and went and lived in Sicily for a while. And for his role in Taxi Driver, well, he gave up acting, got a job as a taxi driver, which he did for three months, just to get a feel for the, for the part. If nothing else, De Niro is extremely committed to putting on the character of the person he's playing. He's committed enough to put himself out and sacrifice things just to put on this other character. And for him, it's just a job. But for us, it's much, much more than that. It's a command from God. Putting on the character of Christ is the first step in living changed and different lives, putting on Christ, which is the only right response to being chosen by God. Now, this is something that we need to be working at as a family, not as individuals. And I think it's something that we're generally good at as Evening Church. So when someone's sick, we're quick to show compassion to them, praying for them and cooking for them and caring for them. When someone has a baby, we're quick to show kindness to them, praying for them and cooking for them and caring for them greatly. And I've lost count of the number of times people have been gentle and patient with me when they've stuck with me through my foolish actions and words and have graciously forgiven me. Just as Christ is slow to anger and abounding in love, so is Evening Church. You're doing a great job at putting on Christ's character. But don't rest there. As people chosen by God live changed and different lives, put on Christ. Keep striving to put on the character of Christ more and more as we respond rightly to being chosen by God. Okay, so the first step in the practical guide to putting on Christ is to put on the character of Christ. That's not where it ends. The second step is to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Look with me at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It's a strange phrase, don't you think? I mean, what exactly is the peace of Christ, and how do you let it rule in your heart? Well, if we read Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, we can see that God has reconciled everything to himself through Jesus. And this has been done by making peace through Jesus' blood shed on the cross. So you see, the peace of Christ that Paul's talking about here, it refers to us being at peace with God. It means that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, because of his blood that was shed on the cross, there's no longer any conflict between us and God. That's if we believe and trust in Jesus' death in our place. It means that we can be chosen by God, we can be part of God's family, and we can, we can be called children of God, and we can even call him Daddy. 
We can enjoy a relationship with God where he talks to us and we can talk to him. Those are two of the great privileges of being chosen by God, that he speaks directly to us through his word in the Bible and we can speak directly to him through Jesus and he listens to us. We'll come back to these two a little bit later. But Jesus' death and resurrection have achieved peace between us and God and now we should let this peace rule in our hearts. But how do we do this? Well, the key to getting this is that the command is not given to us as individuals, but to us as a family. So, if as individuals we're at peace with God, wouldn't it be ludicrous if we weren't at peace with each other as well? How can we, on the one hand, be at peace with God, letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, and yet, on the other hand, be divided with one another? The answer is, we can't. The two can't somehow coexist. We can't be at peace with God, yet be in conflict with God's chosen people. Have a look again at verse 15, and this time pay particular attention to the second half of the verse. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. You see, as people chosen by God were to live changed and different lives, and were to put on Christ, and part of this is that as members of one body we've been called to peace. So we're at peace with God, and at peace with God's chosen people. But what will it actually look like practically for us to live at peace with each other? Well, this is a practical guide Paul has written and so we only have to look back to verses 12 to 14 uh, and we'll get some practical ideas of living at peace with with one another. The overwhelming vibe of verses 12 to 14 is other person-centeredness. As a church family, this is how we're to live at peace with one another. Have a look. A good place to start is humility. Consider others before yourself. Look first to the interests and well-being of those around you. Put yourself out to encourage them in reading the Bible and praying. Do whatever it takes to make sure they stay at peace with God. Be patient and bear with each other. When your husband is being selfish and not helping with the kids, be patient. When the friend you meet up with to read the Bible hasn't prepared, be patient. When you give up your time and put in so much effort preparing Bible study and no one thanks you, bear with us. Don't get angered easily, but forgive as the Lord forgave you. And on top of all of these, put on love. Love one another with that selfless, humble, other person-centred, God-focused, sacrificial love that Jesus showed to us. Do whatever it takes to make sure that the people around you stay as one of God's chosen people and that they keep living changed and different lives, putting on Christ. This is living at peace and this is what you were called to as members of one body. Well, we now find ourselves at the midway point in Paul's practical guide to putting on Christ. We've seen that as people chosen by God, we're to live changed and different lives and we're to put on Christ. And the first two steps in this process are to put on the character of Christ and to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Paul's third step to putting on Christ is to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that's where our attention now turns. We're up to point three on your outline in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. One of the blessings that comes from being at peace with God is that he speaks directly to us in the Bible. And this is what is meant by the word of Christ. It's God's word to us in the Bible concerning Jesus. 
And the reason that God has given us his word in the Bible is that he wants us to read it, to work hard at understanding it, to be changed by it, to become obedient to it, and to put it into practice. That's why he gives us the command, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Remember back in Genesis, we read these words, and God said, and it was so. God created the world by speaking, by his word. And now he's given us this very same word. These words in the Bible are living and active. They bring life. It's only through God's word that we meet Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the source of our salvation. So why is it that so many Christians treat the word of God so casually? We flick it open open briefly only when we have a spare minute in our busy days. We hide it away in the bottom of our bedside drawer or file it neatly up on a dusty old bookcase. How utterly foolish. You might recall recently the last book in the Harry Potter series was released. There was a mad rush to get a copy and people feverishly started reading. And they kept reading and reading. They couldn't put it down. They were so excited about these books, so passionate about Harry Potter. They couldn't wait to see what would happen next. I can remember people coming up to me and speaking about Harry Potter with excitement in their eyes and that quaver in their voice as they recalled the previous books and spoke about what they were looking forward to in this latest story. Wouldn't it be great if as a church family we were constantly speaking to each other about what we're reading in the Bible with excitement and passion and a constant eagerness for more? How exciting would it be to hear someone tell you about how they're reading Exodus and how cool it is that it links in with Genesis and about how they can't wait to see what happens to God's people next. This really would be letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. But being filled with passion and excitement for the word of Christ, well, that's not all we're called to do. Paul gives us two specific ways to apply the word of God. Firstly, we're to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. You see, as we teach one another... The thing that we're to be constantly guided by is the word of Christ. One of the things that we're blessed with in evening church is leaders who constantly bring us back and focus our attention on the word of Christ. Our Bible study leaders are a great example of this. Every week we're taught faithfully from God's word. I've never once been to Bible study and not opened the Bible. Thanks for being so faithful to God. Keep working hard at being focused on God's word. And as for the rest of us, let's work hard at encouraging them in this. But this shouldn't stop with our church leaders. The rest of us should let our conversations be shaped by the word of Christ. So, as we teach each other, as we admonish or rebuke or correct one another, and as we just speak to each other in general conversation, what we say should be shaped by what we read in the Bible, or at the very least, it should be faithful to it. This is especially important in our families. Parents have a particular role in teaching their children. It's great to hear so many parents speaking about how they constantly read the Bible with their children. Thank you. You're a really great encouragement to the rest of us. You're letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. The second way Paul tells us to apply the word of God is to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So the word of Christ is to dwell in us as we teach and admonish one another, but also as we sing together with gratitude in our hearts to God. This is another area that we're so blessed in at Evening Church. Every week the music team works hard to choose songs that are faithful to God's word, and they often point us directly to scripture. 
It's amazing how many songs we sing that are taken directly from God's word. We should go out of our way to encourage these guys as they work hard at serving us in this way and pointing us back to the Bible. But we should also work hard at meaning the words we sing. If you find yourself daydreaming when we're singing or thinking about which movie you're going to watch when you get home or what you're going to do first thing tomorrow morning when you get to work, then you're not letting the word of God dwell in you richly. Pay attention. You're singing the words of Christ, and more than that, you're singing to God. And you should be doing this with gratitude in your heart. Parents too should let the word of Christ dwell in them richly in this way. It's a great thing to read the Bible with your children, but why not sing with them too? Sing songs that are based on God's word, and that will help your children remember it and meditate on it. An understanding and love of the word of Christ is one of the best gifts you can give to your family. As people chosen by God live changed and different lives, putting on Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach one another and sing together, showing gratitude to God. And it's this idea of showing gratitude or thanks to God that leads us into the fourth point in Paul's practical guide to putting on Christ. As people chosen by God living changed in different lives and putting on Christ, there are three practical changes we should make. They are to put on the character of Christ to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. But it's not just our actions that are to change, but also our attitudes. The fourth step Paul gives us is to do everything giving thanks to God. Take a look at verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, our attitude is to be one of thanksgiving, It's the entire way through this passage. In verse 15, we're to be thankful. And in verse 16, we're to sing with gratitude in our hearts to God. And now in verse 17, whatever we do is to be done giving thanks to God. Now, giving thanks is always something we do as a response to something that's been done for us. In the same way, the other three practical steps are also done as a response to what's already been done for us. So you see, putting on the character of Christ being compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, patient and forgiving, it isn't enough to save us from the wrath of God. Living peacefully with each other, forgiving one another and not quarrelling and arguing, that's not enough to save us either. And reading God's word and talking about it and singing songs, well, that can't stop us getting the punishment we deserve. You see, all of that has already been done for us. That's the great news that our passage started with tonight. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. We've already been chosen by God. We're holy to him, set apart for him alone, and we're dearly loved by him. Jesus' blood shed on the cross has made peace between us and God. How can we not drop to our knees and cry out, thanks be to God? You see, we're already part of God's family. And now all we should do is live life in response to that, giving thanks to God, our Father. Just like me choosing to marry Sarah changed meant my life was dramatically changed and I had to put on some huge new roles like being a husband and a father, so too God's decision to choose us means our lives should be dramatically changed. As people chosen by God live changed and different lives, putting on Christ.